Blog Talk Radio. You ever get the feeling sometimes that if we don't do it now, if we let this be another Sodom and Gomorrah, that maybe we might be the generation that sees Armageddon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It's July the 15th, 2017. It's a great honor and a great privilege to be with you this evening. Lord, have mercy, ladies and gentlemen. Amazing what has happened around the planet this week. On the Temple Mount, police were attacked, and they shut down the Temple Mount. The Arctic Peninsula this week had a huge portion finally break off of it. We've been talking about that for quite some time. It finally did so this week. On the political front, we've even had uh, a Democrat file the first articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this week, something off the charts. For the first time this week, scientists have successfully teleported a photon from the ground to a satellite in orbit. Things are really ramping up. Moscow was rather put off this week. It's reported on July the 11th that Moscow says it's preparing for a tough response to U.S. closure of Russian diplomatic compounds. Mount Vesuvius once went active this week. It's almost like it doesn't matter where you look, whether you look to the left or whether you look to the right. There are things coming down the barrel. As released on the Big Wobble, on Wednesday, July the 12th, headline another week in paradise, a staggering amount of dead animal and fish species Recorded in the first 12 days of July. Just absolutely off the charts. This this article is just uh, beyond impeccable. I mean, I had no idea uh, that in the Middle East, there are hundreds of camels that are dying, first in hunger in the desert. 
we've had 300 dead turtles wash up on the Brazil coast. And once again, I've spoke about this and spoken about this at length end. In France, they reported thousands of fish die off in a canal. They checked the oxygen levels in the water, ladies and gentlemen, and the fish had suffocated. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And how worse does it have to get, or to what locality do we have to wind up in before you set up and pay attention? As for us, your host, Clinton Co-Watch, Brian Ingram, and Matthew Miller, we have prepared the steeds to the best of our ability. It is time for you to get your trays to the upright positions and fasten your seatbelts. Perhaps sooner than later, we all might hear that infamous crack from the Lord Stark gun. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is good to have you with us here on the End Time Tribune. I want to do another personal thank you to all of our listeners out there. Uh, the listens just continue to stagger my mind. I can't believe the amount of listenership that we have on a weekly basis here. We continue to hold the pole position in the most popular and current events, and I am very grateful for that. appreciated and it lets the three of us know that uh, well we must be doing at least something right so we really do appreciate it Clinton why don't you get on here uh, intros and uh, tell us how your weeks went and what you've been keeping your eye on this week buddy yeah um, you know I'd also like to say thank you to our listeners as well um, I mean that uh, it's very encouraging to be on here with you and and to try to present this information as as best that we can as it comes out um, and it's coming out faster and faster and it's getting crazier and crazier so it's it's making our job more interesting and more difficult as well but uh, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here um, you know as I talk to to people, it seems like these news stories coming out, it, it's either the reaction is, are you kidding? Or is it, are you kidding? Um, I mean, you have the, the range of just the absurd from the fact that we teleported a photon from Earth to space. And then in the next sentence, we're talking about Donald Trump wants to make the wall see-through because he's afraid that when they throw drugs over the wall, it's going to land on people's heads. So, so we have... It range from just amazing and crazy sci-fi Star Trek kind of thing to absurd reality that doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. And it's, it's just, it's beyond belief to see the pieces coming together as they are. Yeah. I think I would put it as we're pushing the envelope. The problem is Clinton is that, most people don't realize what God has wrapped up in that package. Brian, jump in here, buddy. And uh, what have you been keeping your eyes on this week? How's your week went? Let the listener know how, how it's been going, man. Well, it's going all right here. Uh, you know, give a hearty thanks out again to the listeners as well. And sort of push forward into what have I been keeping an eye on this week? Well, I think a few odds and ends here, sort of keeping an eye on uh, the chaos, the insanity, because that's literally, I think, what we're seeing across the board on many levels. As even Clinton just sort of pointed out, at first glance, a lot of this stuff, you just kind of scratch your head and go, okay. Yeah, we've got, you know, the same old infamous story has started to resurface again in the news. And so everybody's mind is right away back on Russia again. And it just seems like it's the same old typical pull the wool over everybody's eyes unless you know where to look and what to look for. Well, you're going to have a hard time getting out of this um, rather interesting veil they keep throwing over everyone's eyes at the moment. So... That's my starting uh, comments, and give the show back up to you guys. Well, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, some of the, just the weather chaos news we I, I might I might cover later on. The mass day uh, die offs, 
the anomalies we have going on in the solar system right now. I think that's a good way to put it, is that people are beginning to realize that things are not okay. It's not okay anymore. I mean, we've had every continent on this planet break all their heat records. I mean, places getting up to 117, 119 degrees. I think everybody's beginning to realize that things just aren't okay. I mean, we have financial news this week that Microsoft is going to lay off and people are beginning to investigate uh, the companies that their brokers have invested in for them. doesn't make any sense. How can my stock be going up if my company's earnings have went down? That's Well, that's not kosher, a proverbial way to put it. Things are just not okay anymore. They're not okay. I mean, case in point, it's not okay if you're living in certain parts of Mexico right now. It's it's not okay. When you've got well, they're worried of course that a new volcano is about to erupt. But when you have subsurface temperatures up to like 425 degrees, you need to be worried. Things just aren't okay. I mean, even in Europe this past week, ladies and gentlemen, they're smashing all their all-time heat records. It's not okay anymore, and you need to find out why. And you need to find out what that means for at least your family. I mean, whether you're concerned with yourself or not, that's irrelevant. I mean, even the lions and tigers and the bears, they put their little ones above themselves. But you know that, don't you? So if you're not worried for yourself, you should at least be loved ones. Clinton is first up to bat. Clinton, uh, let's go ahead and start your news diatribe before I babble on way too long and be impolite again. Take right off, buddy. Yeah, no, not a problem. And, and, you know, it's always a pleasure to, to start off and be here. Um, I mean, there's, it's no easy way to, to just start to get into everything. I mean, there's, there's so much going on that it's just ridiculous. I mean, the, the big thing that's hitting everyone smack in the face is what's going on with the United States government and what's going on with the president of the United States, you know, Donald Trump. And I mean, there's no easy way to put this, but there is a strong possibility that the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency may have 
ties to the Russian government. Um, I, I cannot believe, you know, that that's even something that we're, we're possibly saying, but it seems like it's, it's becoming more and more apparent. And, and the reason for that is, you know, this week uh, there was some investigations done into Donald Trump Jr. and uh, his uh, impact in a meeting that was held with a, a Russian attorney. Um, this meeting uh, was in, initiated by uh, the, the Russians. Um, specifically in the emails that were released, it, it stated that this is from the Russian government with information against the uh, Clinton campaign um, while the president's, you know, the, the election is going on. Um, and that it's strong importance from the Russian government to help the Trump campaign uh, with this information. Um, it first came out that it was uh, a meeting uh, between Trump Jr. and this attorney. This attorney didn't have any information. It was just Trump Jr. And then uh, that was it. And no big deal. I looked the other way. Um, it's now spread to, I think there was eight people in the meeting. And the attorney for the um, Russian side actually has ties to the head attorney of the Russian government who was appointed by who? personally appointed by Putin. So we have someone who has direct ties to the president of Russia, who is talking to the son of the president of the United States about doing coercion against a candidate in the presidential election. Um, if that's not treason, I, I don't know what the definition of treason. Um, so now we're getting into some very uncharted territory. Not only does the Trump administration have numerous individuals that are being investigated into their actions uh, associated to, to Russia and manipulation of the uh, election, but now we have the president's son that is deeply involved. And he has changed his story four different times. Um, he has made it seem like it's not that big of a deal. Um, just look the other way. And, and that kind of shows the disconnect that, that uh, this uh, one percenter uh, president and his family has uh, to the laws of the country, the laws of the world, and also the impact that it has on the average person. Um, I mean, from the average American standpoint, we have been thrown into utter chaos since the election, uh, you know, January 20th. Um, you know, no one really expected Donald Trump to be elected. Uh, since then, we've had numerous executive orders thrown at us. We've had massive attacks on health care, on the you can't pass a budget. Um, we have the state of Illinois and other states that are going bankrupt. Uh, we have you know, strong possibility that Russia is involved in tampering with our election um, and that it was done intentionally by people in the administration. So where as an American public do we go? I mean, what, what, what do we do and what does uh, the government do? Well, you know, as, as Matthew mentioned earlier, they've actually, the Democrats have filed paperwork to start impeachment against Trump. And that process is slow. And we know from what happened with Bill Clinton, I mean, it's not necessarily effective in a lot of ways either. Um, so it's, it's more of a technicality than anything else, just to start an investigation. Now, there's also been... Um, a lawsuit that has been brought out for an investigation into the hacking that was done into the DNC. 
um, if this lawsuit goes through, then that will open up more investigation channels so we can dig into any uh, impact that may have happened with any kind of Russian hacking or collusion that can happen with that as well. So that's going to be interesting to see if that plays. But the fact of the matter is, what do we do if we have I can't believe I'm saying this, the president of the United States that may have done a criminal act. I mean, how do you prosecute the president of the United States? I mean, how do you go about that? Well, unfortunately, us as Americans and the people of the world, are, I think we're going to witness just that. We're going to see the judicial system. We're going to see the uh, intelligence agencies start to tear people apart, in other words. And we can see what they're doing with the majority of, of you know, the close ties that, that the Trump administration has to Russia and anyone that they have found that has those ties. So where where's this going to go? Well, we know that Pence is already move, making some moves to possibly step in place uh, for president uh, if something happens with Trump. We know that the majority of the officials that are higher end have lawyered up. You know, they've got attorneys to protect themselves for what's coming. We also know that uh, Donald Trump recently lost one of his attorneys um, and also uh, Jared uh, Kirshner. Uh, his head attorney um, refuses to defend him anything associated with Russia. So <laughs> if, if we have top attorneys and we have someone who's a billionaire two people that are billionaires that can't pay attorneys enough money to stay on the case because the attorneys don't believe their case. We got some issues. We've got some serious issues. And what is this going to mean to democracy? What's this going to mean to the way of life for Americans? Well, this is going to shake things up drastically. It's going to make it very, very difficult to, to know what to do. And, and we can see one interaction that's happening with, for instance, like uh, when Donald Trump pulled out of the climate accord, where the United States was the only country that didn't sign it. So what has happened? Well, California is working on signing things on their own. We also have other countries that are starting to negotiate with governors of states, not only with trade, but with climate initiatives. We have countries as in Canada and Mexico that are wanting to keep NATO intact, but they know they have to go around the Trump administration. So they are in negotiations and talks with state governors to have specific states do business outside of NATO, outside of the federal government, to keep those economic ties with those countries. Well, we, we know states' rights is a big thing. And we also know that states going against the federal government was unfortunately what kind of stand, uh, you know, the biggest rift the United States has ever had in the Civil War. States branching off, doing their own thing, joining together, and you can see a divide being broken there. You, you can see this divide uh, when it comes to abortion rights, uh, this divide when it comes to women's rights, this divide when it comes to LGB rights, uh, this, this divide when it comes to economic rights or health care. The fact that we have individuals being arrested in wheelchairs that are protesting because they're afraid of losing their health care and they're going to jail 
And they're actually asking for a trial by jury because they want to be tried by their peers. It's sad that they even have to worry about going to trial for protesting or that they have to go to jail for protesting. But that's the, the state of our union. That is the state of where we're at at this point. And so either we continue down this path or we do something about it. Well, I think that's what those individual states are doing. That's what those states are trying to do is stand up and, and say, hey, you know, we, we take notice. We, we know what's going on and we disagree with it. Or we know what's going on and we agree with it. The problem is that if there's too much separation, then there's going to be too much separation in our union and we cannot have that. But in the same token, when it comes to the survival of our earth, of our environment, of our country, of our way of life, we all are told to defend this country. And this is what the, these people are doing. That's what, what's happening. And so I think it's getting very, very important. And it's not only just the United States is being affected by this massive change. I mean, we, we have Italy, who we talked about before, that has uh, Austria sent troops and tanks to the border with Italy because they're afraid of the migrants who are coming from northern Africa to go through Italy to go into Europe. Well, the thing is, when this migrant crisis started, the European countries basically signed an agreement saying, hey, they would you know, open up their borders for enough people to come in. They didn't anticipate the flow of, of these migrants coming in. So they, they filled their quota and they stopped. Well, Italy hasn't had the opportunity to stop. Recently, they shut down all their, their ports to stop it, you know, but the boats keep coming. Thousands of people keep dying trying to cross the Mediterranean. So now Italy is getting inundated with these refugees. They have, nothing, they have no idea what to do. Their economy is in shambles. They can't afford them. So they are telling the European countries, hey, open up your borders, open up your visas, allow these people to come in, or we're going to grant 200,000 of them temporary visas to where they can go to any country in Europe, including Britain. So either these other countries go along willingly or Italy is going to force it down their throats. So maybe Austria wasn't too crazy to put troops on the border. Maybe they anticipated this is the move Italy is going to make. But either way, the countries of the EU are not going to be happy. The European countries are not going to be happy to have 200,000 refugees flooded in. And the problem is still not going to stop. Italy is still going to have massive amounts of refugees coming up from Northern Africa or from the Middle East. You know, yes, we, we have made major strides uh, against ISIS in Mosul, and supposedly ISIS is almost destroyed, and the war in Syria, the civil war in Syria is almost over. Well, if that's the case, the United States doesn't need to be in Syria. We, we don't need to be there whatsoever. If our main goal was to take out ISIS, and ISIS is defeated, then we don't need to be there. But we built too many bases. We have too strong of an ally in Israel to leave Iranian Hezbollah troops right on the border as well. So I can't necessarily see us pulling out of Syria because we have too much work to do. We also have the whole, you know, um, state um, uh, on the northern part that where Israel, uh, ISIS was taken out um, to where the Kurds are going to be pushing for their own state as well. And so we may have a restructuring of the, the borders in the Middle East. 
Well, that's just going to add more instability into what's going on there. Um, and, and we can see that recently in the shooting that happened at the Temple Mount. Um, you know, there was, I believe, three uh, Palestinian shooters that came in and opened fire um, on the Temple Mount. Um, you know, they were killed. Um, they did some damage. I believe they killed some people. Um, but Israel shut down the Temple Mount. Well, this is bringing massive issues with Jordan uh, because technically Jordan is the um, custodian, the keeper of the mount, the, in essence, de facto owner of the Temple Mount. Um, and so anything that has to be done has to go through the country of Jordan. Well, Israel didn't necessarily do that. And instead told Jordan, don't say anything to make the issue worse because it can get worse if you say anything. Well, Jordan is now having massive protests uh, from the, the Islamic population saying that they should cut ties with Israel. Well, Jordan has been an ally to Israel for a long time. Jordan is, you know, has Petra, uh, which is supposedly the place where the Jews are to go for safety when everything happens. So any kind of conflict between Israel and Jordan is not good. And Israel, yes, they can defend themselves, but in the same token, do we really need to make that much instability in the region? Well, it's a strong possibility. Um, to go into a different little tidbit, um, the iceberg that broke off of Antarctica, I, I came across an article just to kind of explain the size of this thing. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the largest icebergs ever broken off. Um, it was one trillion ton iceberg uh, with twice the volume of Lake Erie. And it broke off of Larson Sea ice shelf between Monday and Wednesday. And, and it says, at 2,200 square miles, the chunk of floating ice is nearly the size of Delaware. And, you know, to put another perspective, it had a 120-mile crack. And that's what caused it to break off. So this thing is massive. Um, and it's floating, and it supposedly broke off um, into two pieces now. Um, some estimates are saying that this iceberg may float around for decades. Um, or it depends on how warm waters it gets into. But... The, the point of the matter is, this is not a good prospect for, you know, if, if the world is warming up and, and getting warmer. Um, because this particular iceberg was in water already. So the displacement that's going to happen from it melting is not going to be drastic. But typically what happens is when one of these break off, then it may loosen the ice that's on the actual land. And when that, the ice on the actual land falls in the ocean that causes displacement and that causes the oceans to rise. And that is the point that the scientists are worried about that they do not want to happen. But the earth is getting hotter. Uh, there's been reports that, that say it's, you know, there's sensors and rad, uh, radars going off that say it's hotter than it's ever been. Um, you know, there's when Phoenix was going through their heat spell, there was pictures of everything melted. Um, you know, Matthew mentioned the, the heat spells in California. Uh, it, it's just, we know that that is where it's headed. Um, and to kind of build on, on that, we, we had one of the greatest losses probably the world has ever witnessed um, this last week as well. And, uh, um, you know, I just want to read a little bit of this half this article. And, and the title, it, it comes off of the New York Post. Um, the Great Barrier Reef is dead at 25 million. Uh, the Great Barrier Reef 
has been declared dead by scientists at 25 million years old, uh, bringing an end to colorful life of the world's largest single structure of living organisms. The incredible Coral Sea wilderness, which stretched for roughly 1,400 miles over an area of roughly 133,000 square miles, has finally succumbed to bleaching. The icon of the natural world is bigger than the whole of the United Kingdom and is comprised of over 2,900 individual reefs and 900 islands. It is home of 1,625 species of fish, 3,000 mollusks, and 30 different types of whales and dolphins. The reef lies off of the coast of Queensland in Australia and can be seen from outer space. Leading environmentalist writer Rowan Jacobson declared the incredible structure dead and wrote the Great Barrier Reef of Australia passed away in 2016 after a long illness. It was 25 million years old. We, I remember many years ago, people talking about the Great Barrier Reef starting to bleach, and if we didn't do something someday that it would die, and it would be a major catastrophe for the world because it would be a symbol of what we had truly done to this world or what has truly happened in this world. The fact that it has been alive for 25 million years and we killed it. Yeah, I mean, blame it on something else. Um, you can blame it on, you know, whales. You know, of course, whales killed the Great Barrier Reef. No, we killed it. And this is just, this is, this is saddening. This is, this is, one of the worst events that could happen. I, I mean, this thing survived longer than humans have been on the earth and we killed it. And what is our response? Our response is to open up Fukushima and let all that radioactive water flow right into the sea. That they came out that that's their grand plan, something like 700 trillion tons or 700 million tons of of radioactive water that they have treated a little bit, but they can't get all the stuff out, but they're going to just now dump it into the ocean. So now the Great Barrier Reef is dead. I guess we don't really need to protect the oceans. You know, there's, there's nothing else that really lives there that we need to really protect. You know, of course the, the fishermen in Japan are freaking out and they're not very happy about it and they don't want this to be spilled in there. And they say it's going to destroy their, their industry, the fishing industry. Yeah, that's a little, you know, short-term view of it, but that's that is true. But I think allowing radioactive water to flow into the ocean is going to cause a lot more long-term effects than just not being able to catch fish. And that's you know that's just an extent of it. I mean, we also have um, another article: humanity has 20 years to shape up or face mass extinction. That scientists say. Um, humans and wildlife species face a dismal future if measures are not taken within the next 20 years to st uh, starve off the risk of mass extinction. Overpopulation and consumption by the wealthiest in society are driving factors beyond the destruction of species on planet Earth, which is having a negative impact on ecosystems. And then it continues going on saying the report involving scientists at both Stanford and Mexico City Universities found the current rate of vertebrae extinction during the last century was two per year compared to 
two species every 100 years over the last two million years. So over the last two million years, we've lost two species every 100 years, so one every 50 years. Well, over the last 100 years, we've lost two species a, a year. So uh, industrial evolution started around that time. We started producing stuff that runs off of gasoline and polluting the environment, and all of a sudden everything starts to die. You know, the, the article, you know, it, it just it, it just puts it in perspective to where we, we can see where industry and greed has brought benefits to our society. I mean, we can now shoot a proton up into space, but we may not be here long enough to actually send a human up to space that way. And and this is the testament to it, the fact that we have everything dying. The fact that we are drill baby drill and we don't worry about it to the fact that we're dumping radioactive waste into the ocean. And, um, <laughs> and then we're doing it to ourselves in an economic way. Um, we, we know that cash is, cash is something that society has had in one way or another, either it was a seashell or, um, it was a bloom, or it was, uh, you know, Roman dinar, um, or it was, you know, the dollar bill. We've always had some kind of currency to trade. Um, the invention of credit uh, was, was a recent uh, addition into the world. And that is what has produced the economic crises that we have had. Uh, you know, the one that happened in 99, 2000, the dot-com bubble, uh, the housing bubble in 2008, uh, and some people say the economic downturn that we're starting to have now um, is the expansion of credit. Well, as credit gets tighter, the more people are reliant on cash and more millennials are pushing towards cash. The, the problem is cash is not traceable. And if you're going to have a society that monitors individual actions, then the ability to trace things is very important. And so we have the rise of these digital currencies. We have Bitcoin, we have uh, Ethernum, we have some of these others. And, you know, the establishment doesn't necessarily enjoy these currencies for the sheer fact they're not traceable. Um, I mean, even the Chinese government has come out and says that Bitcoin is not a viable option because it is not traceable and it's also um, not economically viable. Um, and so we know that that is the trend. That is the direction. That is what's going to head is everything's going to go digital. Um, that's just the way that the world is moving at this point. And so to counteract that, we can see what, how is the, how is the direction going to go? How is society going to go? And there's an article that came out uh, from NBC and uh, talks about uh, the world, the war on cash intensifies. Visa offers restaurants $10,000 to go cashless. Visa has declared war on cash, and its opening salvo is to start paying restaurants $10,000 to go completely cash-free. The credit card giant is this week announcing a new plan to hand out thousands of dollars to up to 50 small food restaurants and vendors if they agree to stop taking cash. Visa will also upgrade the restaurant's checkout terminal so that they can accept uh, contactless payments like Apple Pay and invest in some of the store's marketing costs. When you pay at one of the stores, you'll be able to 
uh, do so with a credit card, debit card, or via mobile payment. The program participants will be picked from an online applicant that starts in August. So this program is going to start in August. Uh, it's part of the trend of moving towards a cashless society. Sweden is leading the pack with the nations already predicted to become the world's first truly cashless society. Um, over half of the banks there already do not keep any cash on hand. Cash currently accounts for around 30% of U.S. retail personal spending, according to a recent uh, report. To Visa, a cashless culture means convenience, security, and ease of use. That translates to freedom for consumers and merchants alike. Um, it also translates to a big opportunity for Visa as it replaced consumers' use of cash with digital transactions. The company can charge processing fees for every purchase, but also bills vendors for networking the program. And then it, it's very answers. We're focused on putting cash out of business. And that's from the chief executive, Al Kelly. And he told his investors that. Well, we know India has been working on getting rid of cash for a while. We know Sweden's doing it. We know Finland's looking into uh, helicopter money. And now Hawaii and the United States are looking into helicopter money as well. The, the plan is to remove cash and put everyone on a, a, a system with one currency. And we know that that is the, the end goal. Um, and that's unfortunately in the moves. And we, we got to be careful. Uh, we we got to realize that this transition period that we are moving into is going to be very messy, very different um, because we're already witnessing a lot of companies close down. We're witnessing a pullback um, in economic stimulus. Uh, Janet Yellen said that uh, they're going to stop doing their bond buying program, which they've been buying about forty you know billion dollars worth of U.S. bonds uh, per month for the last you know five six years. Um, so they're going to stop buying U.S. bonds because they need to you know change their balance sheet, which means well, all that money is not going to be going to the bond market. Um, so we know that this transition is coming and everything keeps heading towards this fall. Um, so we need to watch and we need to see what happens, not only politically, but on an economic standpoint, but then with all these crazy reports coming out every single day. So Matthew, I'll hand it back over to you and, and uh, get your spiel on some things. Yeah, we, we know where this is going. <clears throat> They continue to do it. I remember, I think it was last month, it was Singapore that was actively trying to uh, get rid of cash. But that's where this is going, ladies and gentlemen. Everything that Clinton talked about is is very concerning. It's like it should have to be taken, isn't there? Isn't there, everybody? Certain steps that has to be taken. The first one is you get rid of cash. Then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think that Bitcoin or whatever type of currency, whether it be the German currency or British currency or Argentinian currency, then it don't matter because then there is no currency. Don't you realize that? Then it's all in the Banker's back pocket. It's all just digital. And you have what they say you have. Don't you realize that? 
you know, I've been at the cash register myself before, and uh, somebody swipes their card, and, huh, it don't work. It says insufficient funds. Oh, lady, I've seen better than that. I've told you about it before, back in 2010 or 2011, I think. I personally knew a drywaller. That's what his trade was. He happened to uh, bank the same bank that I did, and I was in there one time because uh, I had already learned my lesson. And uh, what I would do is just uh, take my check, cash it, and I take the cash, and whatever had to be paid by check or card, that's the only thing I would leave, and that's how I do it to this day. Because now... Uh, there's several utilities. That's the only way they will accept payment. So you, so I have to put some into the checking account. All the rest comes home. Well, one of these days, I that drywaller was in front of me in line, and he didn't have any money. Well, he gets kind of upset, and the bank manager comes out and has to explain to him, no, you don't have anything in savings. He says, what are you talking about? I I have to make my house payment. Well, it was then that he found out that the laws in the state have changed. When you file bankruptcy, they take your savings too. And to be perfectly honest with everybody, I'm glad that I got out of there because it had crossed my mind that I was going to walk out with him no matter what. No matter what, I was going to walk out with him because I knew him, very hard worker, uh, but he had lost his job due to, uh, well, I might as well be honest, illegal immigrants. No need to lie about it because I knew the people that took his place, and uh, they were getting paid you know, uh, a dime on the dollar what he charged. No reason for me to lie about it. And I knew that he was a hunter and an avid gun enthusiast, and you didn't hear his voice. I heard his voice, and he was absolutely desperate because no one had told him that the laws had changed, and now if you declare bankruptcy, uh, they were going to take your savings. He didn't know that. He thought they could only take your checking as had been in years past. No, they. he got to the bank, and it was a normal day. He went to go take out uh, the money, or he was trying to get, uh, I think, a money order. Or a cashier's check, I think it was. And he said, just take the money out of my savings. And No, he didn't have anything. He was, he was done. And I knew what month it was, and I sat there while he was in desperation pleading. I mean, he wasn't arguing with the bank manager. He was pleading. And I realized that his unemployment had already ran out. It wasn't but a few seconds after I realized it myself that that came out of his mouth and the bank manager's like, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't have no money. The government seized it. It's, it's gone. There's nothing I can do. 
That's where this is going. So it doesn't matter what you think you have. Once it goes to a cashless system, you only have what they say you have. That That's it. And people just don't get it. They don't understand that. That. Let's talk about people on uh, assistance. Let's say the food stamp card. If they're under the impression that this month they get, let's say, 500 a month for groceries, and they get to the register and know you only have $5, guess what? You can do. You can starve to death. That's 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 what you're legally permitted to do is starve. And it blows me away how <sighs> you know, ladies and gentlemen, all of you know that I used to work at the Shepherd Community Homeless Shelter. You have no idea. You don't realize that it's illegal to be an adult white male without a job in the United States, but that's the fact. If you're an adult, white, male, you can't get assistance. Oh my goodness, it's it's amazing to me how much that people don't know because they don't care to know because they do not love their neighbors. They don't care. You know, I have the privilege of sleeping on grandma's hobo pillow. And that's very literal. Grandma would take in hobos off the train and, of course, feed them supper. Well, Grandma passed away, and no one took her place. You know, how many of you have had neighbors that lost their jobs for whatever reason and You never really cared if they were hungry or not, and you didn't even want to know that. As a matter of fact, you would get mad if somebody told you of their desperate situation. You would get mad because it was going to make your, let's say, property value go down. Ah, but we've already incurred the me decade, haven't we? The 70s have already come and passed, and it is a historical fact that the prophecy was fulfilled in the 1970s. You can even look it up on Wikipedia. Mainstream headlines in the 70s. The prophecy had been fulfilled. Men had become lovers of themselves. That's a historical fact. Whether you like it or not, you are sitting in the seat of the end times, I suggest you pull your britches up and come to a reckoning with what God intends to do. This week for the break, we're going to continue on with the book of Asaph. This is the second portion. It is Psalms 78. 
77 and 78. Pardon my mistake there. I suggest you listen up because Asaph is exclusive in all of history because he and he alone prophesied by orchard of the king. Psalm 77. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, This is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. See them. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leddest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 78 Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God, and refused to walk in his law, and forget his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. 
He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as an heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent the meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea, and he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. So they did eat, and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them, and slew the fattest of them, and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sinned still, and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongue. Their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan, and had turned their rivers into blood and their floods that they could not drink. He sent divers sorts of flies among them which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave also their increase unto the caterpillar, and their labor unto the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail, and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave up their cattle also to the hail, and their flocks to hot thunderbolts. He cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, and indignation, and trouble by sending evil angels among them. He made a way to his anger. He spared not their soul from death, but gave their life over to the pestilence, and smote all the firstborn in Egypt, the chief of their strength, and the tabernacles of Ham, but made his own people to go forth like sheep, and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely, so that they feared not, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them 
to the border of his sanctuary, even to this mountain, which his right hand had purchased. He cast out the heathen also before them, and divided them in inheritance by line, and made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High God, and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places, and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He gave his people over also unto the sword and was wroth with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men, and their maidens were not given to marriage. Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awaked as one out of sleep, and like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine, and he smote his enemies in the hinder parts. He put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he refused the tabernacle of Joseph and chose not the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth which he hath established forever. He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfold. From following the ewes great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. <clears throat> I hope that you all enjoyed that reference there to the Hamshatatim, there, the reference to the tents of Ham. Well, it's time for Brian to jump in here and start his news diatribe. Brian, the saddle is yours. All right, well, let me try to get rolling with this, uh, I guess, inevitable nightmare that we appear to be looking at in the news this week or maybe at first glance you know I think there's a spot where I want to start well no actually there's another spot I want to start because actually I think it's more pertinent to reinforce what Matthew just stated before the break as altogether anybody that listened to last night's program Quite ultimately, bottom line message of what last night was all about, Matthew had just summed up very quickly there. And it literally does come down to that stage. You know, we sort of gave the indication that we need to be watching for Haman before the false prophet. And to clear up any confusion, folks, we're not looking for just one Haman. We're looking for a series uh, people that control massive amounts of money that are dictating world policy from behind the scenes. So, you know, to clear that up, and at the same time, folks, the Christians listening here, you know, we have key jobs, things that we are supposed to be doing. One of those very key things is we're supposed to be helping those in need in these circumstances. 
you really need to keep that at the forefront. At the same time, on top of this as well, the lost. Something that was brought up at the beginning of the show. Everybody at this stage can look around and see something is seriously wrong. Now, I've seen this firsthand within my own home when we have people uh, come over here that are the lost. Okay, they're asking a lot of questions. Being around our house, they begin to realize on top of it, the Bible is true. And folks, you always need to keep your eyes on what it is that we've been commanded to do. And all of these things need to be first and foremost. You have to understand as well, on top of it, when you look, for instance, with the circumstance as we sort of pointed out last night with Haman. Everybody, you need to understand that mankind is quite capable of all sorts of wickedness, all on its own accord. What we're seeing on such an unprecedented level being perpetrated all across this world. Now, to get us back into the circumstance with current events, because everybody, you need to keep this at the forefront of your minds at all times when you consider what is happening on the world stage at the same time when you consider what's happening, for instance, in the current administration. As of May 7th of 1999, after the NATO bombing of Yugoslavia's Operation Allied Force, five USJDAM guided bombs hit the People's Republic of China Embassy in the Belgrade district of New Belgrade. All right, everybody, you need to keep that at the forefront when you're getting caught up in this Russian distraction, because this is still what is happening here. We are in the midst of a Cold War. This means you're going to definitely be seeing spy wars happening on an unprecedented scale. Now, I sat down and took a deep look over this, uh, these infamous little emails that came up from Donald Trump Jr., and right away, I began to notice there were several major discrepancies that really sort of threw the whole thing into disarray. When we start out looking at this email, for instance, okay, you know, we get down here to the second line in it. The Crown Prosecutor of Russia met with his father, Ross, this morning, and the meeting offered to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia would be very useful to your father. All right, folks, here's the problem. Second, right after the Crown Prosecutor of Russia. So you go to look into, well, what in the world is a Crown Prosecutor? A position that does not exist in the country. Folks, that's a uh, British designation. That's just within the first line. There is all kinds of elements that more and more, you look at this email, it begins to fall apart. And once again, we have these same typical things going on. The media is in a huge blackout with nothing but this Russian collusion. That should have immediately told everybody as well, you need to be looking behind the scenes. 
and see what's actually happening. What is this administration really doing while nobody's looking? Now, I want everybody to consider something here. You know, during the election, we had a lot of peculiarities going on. And it seemed, well, everybody seemed to jump, jump on the Trump train and look the other way. I guess that was one of the biggest things that bothered me the most as far as certain circles were concerned. But nonetheless, ask yourself why all these hacks and all these uh, targeted uh, attacks were only being launched at the Democrats and nobody else. You know, at first glance, we can go Russian collusion, but maybe, maybe the right wing was up to some underhanded stuff. And if you recognize your history... You should be looking for this. Now stop and consider, folks, from a Cold War mentality. To ultimately bring down a nation without firing a shot, the easiest way to do that is to let a corrupt system rot from the inside out. Or have we forgotten how Russia was taken down in the Cold War? These very ideas alone, just as Clinton had pointed out, is causing mass controversy within our government. The way this has gone about really quite literally has created the perfect storm. At the same time, I warned everybody time and time again, when you start seeing this stuff, keep your eye on the ball because that means something is happening that you should be watching. So let's see. Well, what do we miss this week? Well, this one right here was one everybody should have kept their eye on. Naomi Rao, the scholar who would lead Trump's regulatory overhaul. So let's find out what's going on here. Washington, when George Mason University changed the name of its law school last year to honor Antonin Scalia, the late conservative Supreme Court justice, the tribute rankled many liberal faculty members and students that the naming was tied to the multi-million dollar donation from the conservative Charles Koch Foundation only heightened concerns. That last sentence there, everybody, you need to look into the Koch brothers. We discussed this last night. Let me bring people up to speed that have not heard that program. The Koch brothers' fortunes, well, they're oil barons. Matter of fact, they came up with a very specific refining technology. They started with Stalin's Russia. Started building their funding there. Then turned around and directly made money and their financing through good old Adolf Hitler. He literally signed that bill into effect. Koch brothers had been found out about this, called out on this, and actually admitted, yeah, that did happen, but we weren't involved at the time, the war, really, because... I know how long it took for Hitler to instigate everything he did. And the Koch brothers were instrumental at the very proper times in helping build up that war machine. And this is an overreaching 
topic. The Paris Climate Accords, the environmental damage that's been done to anything protecting the environment at this stage, allowing them to dump uh, toxic waste into rivers. Now them just doing whatever they want, basically. Fossil fuel of every sort. We got the fracking going on. We've got, you know, of course, the oil. Right away, this administration signed in the pipeline going up to the top, going up to the border past Canada and then coming down all the way through the United States, which they were fighting against that because of environmental concerns. And what happened? Once this administration stepped in, they started peeling back layers and nuking anything that stood in the way of these robber barons making more and more and more and more money. And you see what's going on here with this appointment, her job? Well, there's a lot of institutions on the firing line right now, and they're going through and literally dismantling them one by one by one. If we remember here, right, one of the first executive orders was placed just one moment. Where did this go? As we came in, there was an executive order that was placed right away on the 12th. Let's see here. March, actually, March 13th, 2017. Presidential executive order on comprehensive plan for reorganizing the executive branch. Folks, go in and look up this executive order because this is a mass majority of what's been happening here behind the scenes. They've been weeding out the administration, gutting things. And then at the same time, we had other stories released this week where people should have been paying attention because not only did this news are get into place. Let me see here. We had another story come out about why is it that the uh, Republicans stick behind Trump? Well, you might want to take a look at what's going on with the entire court system because bought and paid for Koch brother judges are being set in place all over the nation and maybe ultimately, folks, this is what you should be asking because we had two different groups that basically brought this new right-wing administration to power. We had the Mercer family. You see, the Mercers were aligned with uh, Conway, Bannon. This week, on top of it now, Breitbart News, uh, Alex Jones, and I believe the Drudge Report are now all being brought up on investigation as well kind of ironic yet all the while here they are completely dismantling the way that this government worked before and I've in other places in history seen a complete dismantling like this this leads nowhere good and then we have all these circumstances playing out here on the world scene
kept the entire Middle East has definitely moved into one dangerous, dangerous predicament. We've got Iran situation where, well, Iraq is pretty much under pretty much a high amount of control by Iran. We've got Russia making serious moves throughout the Middle East with the Syria crisis all the way across the board. This is pushing... I mean... Well, I guess when you consider when the Great War started back in World War One, it never really did end. This is really pushing things towards a complete and absolute explosion. I don't know. I think I'm just going to stop there and let us just bounce around back and forth between the three of us tonight just with those things there. Well, Clayton, jump in here and uh, questions or comments about uh, what Brian had to say. And, yeah, I think we'll just bounce around for a minute and talk about it. Clinton? Well, you mentioned something about uh, the um, alt-right, I guess, and, and the rise of the, the far right. And, and, you know, this is more kind of your specialty uh, when it comes to this, uh, right? But uh, we're seeing a lot of stuff coming out of Hungary uh, associated with uh, George Soros. And also um, with kind of this bantering back and forth um, with Israel as well. And it seems like there's this, this right wing kind of rise uh, across Europe. Um, and I, I'm wondering if, you know, I hate to put you on the spot or anything, but I'm, I'm wondering if you've seen any, anything in your uh, studies, you know, that kind of are showing kind of that rise or that growth. Um, happening and, and kind of what your thoughts are, are developing from Well, I mean, it's, I would say that those very spots, Austria, Hungary, for instance, are sort of key critical flashpoints. No matter what, if we start rolling these last two phases between the Great Wars back-to-back, we can see these fracture points that are sitting right there in this area within Austria-Hungary. And, you know, I brought this up before, too, when you consider the Magar people, you know, well, that literally, it's broke down. That's the land of Magog, everybody. That is one of the most important pivot points in that whole region. It always has been throughout the entirety of history because of the way on top of where the mountain passes are there. It's always been a breaking, contentious stand. Uh, stopping point back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. This entire re... It's boiling up back to a head again when we see this same entire for Pete's sakes, this entire anti-Semitic movement, white supremacist movement, this nationalism is at such a catalyst and such a flashpoint and we are seeing this move slowly into place throughout the European nations, any of the Western-aligned nations, it's getting outright just nuts. Now, Soros, you kind of have to go backwards with him, and you need to start looking into some of... There's an old video interview that's out there where he was on, I don't know if it was 60 Minutes or something, but this man is a very sinister 
uh, not a nice guy, and he really does not have the Jews' interest at heart at all. And once again, we walk into that very strange scenario. You know, Matthew and I spoke about that last night, about watching for a matriarch, so to say. You know, this this last week on top of it, too, there was a story, I think you had caught it, and then I looked it over after you had posted it, Clinton, about what we had happened here in the United States. We had this, um, you know, basically this, like, uh, rednecks against bigotry-type movement that was set up trying to stand against racism. But what bothered me the most about that story was the fact that these people had to show up at a neo-Nazi gathering where these neo-Nazis literally were allowed to carry weapons out in the open. Now, folks, I don't know about everybody else here, but when I see reports that we have neo-Nazis on the streets of America that are allowed to openly carry guns, this is problematic. And... You know, I've been following this thread with this Martin Bormann, the essentially the Haman behind the power in Nazi Germany with the regime that rose there at the time of Hitler with the Third Reich. And this ultimate goal, this ideology that they wanted to keep moving forward. It, ultimately, it was to keep the same goal pushing ahead, just slowly, going about it through different means, sort of playing the slow game. And it becomes highly concerning when you look around the world and you see what is happening. I mean, I just, when I pulled up the computer, um, this came out of the Times of Israel, we saw U.S. polls 65% believe anti-Semitism a serious problem in the country. We have had reports here throughout the last couple of weeks that since the Nazi flag is outlawed in the European nations, they're showing up with Confederate flags. The initiation of the Cold War, and on top of it, the way the uh, Third Reich and any of the other war criminals through the other nations were able to essentially not come up against any kind of prosecution by stoking these fires of the Cold War before, once again, we're seeing the same pattern reigniting itself. And we're seeing it reignite itself in the very same flashpoints, and we seem to be seeing these same types of mentalities, these ideologies, once again raising to the forefront. You know, another important thing to point out with this last election with you know, the whole Bannon crew, uh, Trump, Roger Stone, Alex Jones, Breitbart, that whole fiasco. You know, it's easy to point at it and say, well, that's nationalism. And yes, the nationalism, mega nationalism overtones are there. But they used a little bit of a trickier tactic because it's quite literally populism mixed with the nationalism. But then you have the rest of them in the right wing that were wise enough to be quiet, sit back, and know you do not come forward using this kind of rhetoric to rile people up in this way. You need to do this covertly so that they don't realize what's going on. 
You know, I did forget to talk about something actually quite important that did come up. Well, for one, there's an article that just came out a very little while back here about Betsy Davos's plan to sell out public schools. Koch brothers' dream come true. But somebody else came back in the news this week. And I'm not certain why that's missing. Uh, just a moment here. Eric Prince and his group and Dyncourt once again made a full-blown appearance in the news this week. And, uh, you know, here's just a few headlines of this. I've got these posted over on my website, actually. Um, Blackwater founder Eric Prince wants American Afghanistan strategy outsourced. Trump aides recruited businessmen to devise options for Afghanistan. But the big one, and this is what caught my attention the most, was with DynCorp. Because there's a little phrase that was in one of the first articles that released that caught my attention before everything else. It was the fact that they were looking at the leader of DynCorp, which is basically what Blackwater became, and then this other, you know, honcho within the Eric Prince organization bought up DynCorp. And, you know, while Eric Prince is running his own operation that's now sitting in the middle of China. They brought up the fact that he's doing an investigation on the intelligence communities. And this caught me really off storm, or really off guard. Because we knew full well that there was reports that something peculiar was happening within the intelligence communities during this last election. The problem was is we didn't really know what. Now, this week, in tandem with this report coming out, um, because I have it, once again, I have it over at overdetentionshow.com, and this one is called a Bad Blueprint, um, Bad Blueprint Intelligence Agencies Co-opting Private Enterprises. And this guy goes into extensive details because he luckily caught the same one that made alarms go off in my mind. But we had a senator come forward that uh, wrote up a discourse this week um, basically stating that this new FBI head that the Trump administration decided to bring in for appointment was not good. And it's what this senator had to say that really all of a sudden made things completely come into stark clarity in my mind concerning why in the world were different, why was there infighting going on within the intelligence communities? And one thing she pointed out, and there's this new FBI head. He was one of these that stood for the, the torture tactics that were just utterly unbelievable what they pulled during the first phases of the Iraqi war, the Taliban, once we had September 11th start and go forward. There was investigations that came forward from an FBI um, agent himself that saw what they were doing, and he was in on some of the major um, interrogations. And he knew that any relevant uh, intel they were getting was coming forth without using this waterboarding and all this other ridiculous garbage they were doing. And he saw what they were starting to do to one of the main people they were interrogating, and he got ticked off, and he said, look, this has got to stop. Now, it came out later on top of it about the installation, I believe it was Abu Dhabi off the top of my head, 
in Iraq, they were doing the same types of interrogations. And look, you go in and look at the pictures of what they were doing to these people, you're going to get sick to your stomach. But making matters worse, it was not just American intelligence that was doing this. They were outsourcing contractors doing this. And when you really begin to look at what this fight within the intelligence community is, now I don't know how else to say it because there's no, no nice way of saying it, but there were people that were standing up in the intelligence communities that were saying, you guys have crossed the line. You are becoming an absolute evil monsters in what you're doing, and this needs to stop. Yeah, but it can't stop. You can't stop it. You're you're outside of the jurisdiction of JAG. You can't court-martial a private contractor. Exactamundo. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. Don't you people get it? You you, you need to... <laughs> Look, ladies and gentlemen... <clears throat> These are private contractors on foreign soil. By definition, they are there illegally. They sure fire hasn't been invited. They operate in the uncontrolled environment of lawlessness. Don't you understand that? Well, and let me clarify too, but we must remember Guantanamo Bay. These were people within very departments in the United States. And from what I'm looking at, this is what I see. There's people standing up for the right thing. All of a sudden, you've hired a private contractor to come in and get rid of those that are standing up for the right thing. Because Trump openly stated, we need to bring back all these torture tactics. Never mind the fact that he said we're going to bomb all the Muslims with nukes, etc. Well, let's talk for a minute about our crusaders here in this nation. You see, I know how to, who to keep an eye on locally here, and they always lead me to seeing the things that really should start angering everybody. Little post I caught on somebody's social network, I decided to click to see where they were posting this from. Folks, these right-wing crusader nut jobs are really crossing lines. They are calling for the eradication of every single Muslim on the planet. That they should all be rounded up, arrested, and killed. This is what's coming out of the Nicolaitan right-wing groups inside the United States, folks. They're literally calling for genocide. And when you see this happening well, they've already got a, in the intelligence communities, we got problems. Well, we've already got a pretty good start. I mean, we've how many civ- civilians did we take care of in uh, Iraq alone? I mean, let's, <laughs> let's not pamper the issue, ladies and gentlemen. How many hospitals have we hit? And I mean, by golly, we hit them hard. 
There ain't no group of doctors without borders we can't hit with a hellfire missile. And by the way, just so you know, don't go on vacation in Pakistan and plan on having a wedding without incident. We take out Pakistani weddings every chance we get. We've been doing that for years. I mean, does your country have a school? No problem. All you have to do is saying that they're teaching the elementary school kids terrorism, and, you know, a couple months ago, it's in the mainstream news. We hit that puppy with a predator drone. I'm not lying. Look it up. The Lord your God, he don't have to look it up. He knows those children, those civilians, those invalid that was in those hospitals, the wounded. He knows where their blood is. It's on your hands. He don't have to look it up. Let's get off to another point. I've heard Clinton give reference to Italy here of late, one time too many. Could have swore that I heard him talk about the Italian banks being threatened by the EU. Well, didn't you hear what he said just a little while ago? He said, now Italy is threatening them with the deluge of immigrants, illegal immigrants. Didn't you hear that? I heard that. It seems like to me, one of those precarious places we uh, were at when the Finns decided to induce the Winter War. Oh, did you forget about all that? When the other Scandinavian countries, you know who I'm talking about, they wouldn't come help Finland out with their border when the uh, Ruskies come in at full volume. You remember that? I do. But let's get Clinton's thoughts on that. i just wondering if he realized that he just said... And I know just said, maybe not last week, but the week before, that the EU is threatening the Italian banks. No, we're not going to bail you out, yada, yada, yada. And now he's saying that Italy is threatening. Oh, you don't want to not help us out or we're going to unleash a tsunami of illegal immigrants into all your countries. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. So, Clinton, your thoughts on that? Well, I just think it's interesting that uh, Turkey said the same exact thing. Um, so what Italy is saying is is not a new concept, but it, it kind of aligns Italy with Turkey and with everything that's developing with Turkey and, and Russia and Iran that, that kind of makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. We also know that Italy is contemplating doing the same exact thing that Britain did with the Brexit. Um, you know, I can't remember what they called it. It was something like tele-leave or something, something weird like that. Uh, uh, but Italy was talking about leaving the European Union as well. So we, we know that the European Union is being held up by pretty much Germany. Um, so 
if you narrow it down that easy, then it's basically Germany that's trying to um, put the Italy's feet to the fire. And Italy is then turning around saying, okay, well, we're going to, you know, use human beings as weapons, the same as what Turkey did. So not only do we have the complication of the 200,000 people from Italy that may be going into Europe, but I can almost guarantee that if Italy did that, Turkey would do the same exact thing, and they have a lot more refugees over in Turkey as well. Well, and I think it's pertinent to point out as well, okay, Italy swapped sides during both great wars. During World War One, they did it. Then uh-huh. Mussolini got captured, and in World War Two, they did it. Uh-huh. They were the turncoats. They were on the Allies, ladies and gentlemen. You need to look that up. That's right. Italy went turncoat. They went over to the Axis. Yep. That really happened. Twice. Ripley's, believe it or not. And, you know, this... Okay, and we... Look, Italy did it. World War One, World War Two. But now what do we see Turkey doing? I mean, today was the the anniversary of the Gulen coup. We already see that Turkey is... Well, look. The reemergence of the Ottoman Empire. I mean, good grief, 2011, I warned to watch for that. Boy, oh boy. When you start putting all these things on the map with the historical ramifications, then you start overlaying map over map over map, drawing little lines. Oh, my gosh. Well, what's your thoughts about Ukrainian terrorists hitting Egypt? I mean, I read several you articles mean, about it. You mean said, a Nazi? <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you for the correction. But ladies and gentlemen, I read several of the articles. I'm sitting there scratching my head like, what in the name of the Lord is Ukrainian terrorist doing hitting the Red Sea government in Egypt? I mean, moving to get control of all the same spots they had. I mean, after World War II, for Pete's sake, Nasser had Nazi war criminals holding his regime up for Pete's sake. When you understand that, the Yom Kippur War starts spiraling in a whole deeper context. Well, something else doesn't strike me. Uh, something else strikes me kind of odd about Ukraine as well. Um, you know, both of the cyber attacks, both of these malware attacks, all both started in Ukraine, and that doesn't make any sense if you if you tie one to North Korea and the other to Russia. I mean, you would think that their main target wouldn't necessarily be Ukraine. It would be maybe the United States or, or someone else associated, but it's just something's not striking right with, with the hacks going into Ukraine versus anyone else. Well, in light of who we know took over on the ground there, I mean, with backing of the European nations, the Western nations, they literally flooded in the exact... These are now... Okay, we've went from grandfather, son, to their sons. 
These people came in flying the same designation of the Ukrainian people that they used that aligned themselves with the Nazis during World War II, and they flooded this exact same group of people back in again. So if we've got them being targeted, it's kind of like I brought up before. We cannot forget that and since 1999, we've been in Cold War 2.0. And it was the Chinese embassy making matters worse that was targeted there in Belgrade. So, who launched it at them? I don't know. I mean, if you're going to be on a defense scenario, because it's essentially NATO declared war against Russia again at that point by bombing that, but not only that, they declared war against China. So, it's possible maybe Russia did hit them. Maybe China hit them. Maybe who knows hit them. Or maybe they're just stirring up another huge flashpoint. Because remember again what Brzezinski's whole tactic was, and they used that to start popping sanctions because they're rewriting the sanctions again now in the House. Well, we got to add North Korea into Russia and Iran. They're putting the sanctions in one big bill. Okay, that was my take on that. <laughs> Sorry. One big bill. That's classic. Here, let me throw you a curveball. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the only actual United States policy that you can bank on are sanctions. Because I, I think you forgot about the private contractors. I mean, uh, I appreciate that Mr. Prince is saying that he's going to do this and he's going to do that. Well, he's already under the employee of the Chinese because uh, he's a private contractor. Chinese contracted him to deal with their terrorists along the One Belt, One Road. You see, Derek Prince or whoever, it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. They can go to Argentina and buy uh, you know, black market surface-to-air missiles. Not a problem. I mean, we all know that the contraband capital of the world for nuclear visible material is Georgia. They could just go to Georgia, buy a nuke, you see? I think it's funny that you haven't put two and two together, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, don't this, you understand? This, don't, don't, don't you understand that it could have been no country that did this. It could have been private contractors hired by anybody. I mean, don't you realize that these people are being contracted both by the United States and communist China? That doesn't bother you. So what makes you think you know which country did this or anything well, that's and going this, on now? goes back to square one of what I brought up about that big hacking attack that happened. They pointed the finger at North Korea. Not any of the evidence made that make any kind of valid sense. They threw out hyperboles, and then they said, well, they did this, and you go and look into what they claim North Korea did, and you find out they didn't do it. 
And I stated you know, this I, yeah. when it happened. I, hold on. When I, the cyber attack happened, did I not state that they knew that there was an intelligence agency out there that was aligned with nobody? And I stated flat out, we're dealing with contractors. One Belt, One Road has been being hit on top. We got contractors protecting it, and we haven't getting hit by contractors. I'm going to strike anybody as rather odd. Okay, sorry. Oh, my goodness. This doesn't alarm anybody. I mean, look, you don't realize that one of your own senators or congressmen could have hired them to assassinate, set up a bomb, fire a surface-to-air missile. I mean, it doesn't bother you that This is an act of utter lawlessness. Utter lawlessness. That's 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 where this is at. I mean, if a random general wants to, uh, you know, he thinks that uh, there's a terrorist hiding out in a. Uh, Special school for disabled children in, I don't know, Rome. That's not a problem. He just calls up his local private contractor and he'll put a Hellfire missile into it because he's purchased that illegally. Nobody can prosecute him. Yada, 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 yada. I mean, me and Brian were speaking here recently about... uh, you know, we know there was three French assassins to take out POTUS. We already have the scientific hardcore evidence that one of the shooters was in the manhole cover. There was a bullet in the windshield of the presidential limousine. Guess what? It didn't matter if we if we caught them. They were Frenchmen. Didn't matter. They went to Argentina and uh, reported, you know, hey, we had a good success. Uh, They got their cash and went to the next assignment, which may have been in Russia. You know. Could have been in Germany. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's how we roll. That is, by definition, lawlessness. Lawlessness. That is the atmosphere we have created. And it brings us back to square one. Heyman. Robber barons. They're giving the orders, folks. And they have been for quite some time. Quite some time. But, you see, there's a threshold where if this be all about the pyramid scheme. There is a threshold that you need to understand. To a businessman, what is required for proper exchange is one thing and one thing alone. That is tranquility. Oh, for Pete's sake, you don't know that? 
Yeah, you need tranquility. You need tranquility among the populace, so they can become consumers and stay steadily a consumer base. Once you throw too many things into chaos, the currency system collapses. This is the event horizon. I have come to believe firmly in my heart that's why the Ten Kings agree that she must burn. I mean, this lines up perfectly with what we're doing. I mean, I just mentioned that we uh, send in strikes against innocent Pakistanis, you know, (laughs) over the past three or four years. It's just ridiculous. I mean, we hit whatever country we want. We're just chaos into chaos. I mean, is Libya planning on upping their oil output? Not a problem. We've got Los Angeles class tax subs well below the surface of the waves. We popped off 112 Tomahawk cruise missiles from those torpedo tubes safely beneath the waves and hit the Libyans in the dead of night. Not a problem. We can deal with that. That's a fact. That's, that's what happened. Did anybody declare war? No. Well, how in God's name did somebody get permission to attack a foreign power without war being declared? Nobody even cared. I mean, they were more concerned about what the Super Bowl halftime show was going to be. Nobody cared. I mean, you know... It's striking to me. Go ahead. It's just striking to me that we got things going on in Somalia, just like World War One, just like World War Two, and they just—I mean—they changed the name Somalia Land. But we went in there and we hit them. We hit them hard. We killed them and took their, you know, their black gold. Do a little search for Somalia right now. Once you disrupt too many places along the Silk Road, too much chaos means that the currency collapses. You've got to have tranquility in order for the Silk Road to flow. But, I mean, I mean, last I heard, I thought we were in NATO, but I... I our actions obviously are opposite of that, so I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I guess you guys need to put me in my place if I am wrong, and by all means, if you can, prove me wrong. Well, let me let me drop something I've kept under my belt for a while now. I think before I state what I do, we need to remember Kissinger. Well, at least he came out right and said what the whole plan was. But this plan was instigated way back by other infamous robber barons in their place. But he stated emphatically, in order to control the world, well, we need to keep the entire Middle East and all those regions around there in absolute disarray. Now consider for one moment about the Balfour Declaration and actually all the shockwaves it set in motion. Because when you stop and consider and look at the entire world scene, you can realize that a cup of trembling began on that very day that that declaration was declared. 
And this is exactly what they've done this entire time is they've kept that entire Middle Eastern section in absolute disarray. I, you brought up the what? one belt, one road. Yes, for them to succeed, they have to have tranquility. So what do we do? We come in and hit each one of those spots so that we can control them by keeping them in chaos. All the while, what happens? The robber barons rake in the bucks, get fatter and fatter and fatter, have more power just through these means. Well, let me say this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's amazing to me that these same patterns have become worse. You know, we mentioned human shields on a few programs. Well, now we're to the point that the countries are using human weapons. Well, at some point, all the humans are going to get together and realize this has got to stop. I mean, it's one thing to use people as shields. I mean, unless you're dealing with the United States, because we'll hit you anyway. I mean, the majority of the planet won't hit you if you've got civilians around military targets. That's one thing. But now... Humans are being used as a weapon, and like, like, uh, like Clinton pointed out, two countries have done this as of late, Turkey and Italy. Now, when are all these people going to get together and say, this has to stop? It, it just has to stop. Now, just so everybody knows… Um, Somebody has got to be getting tired of this, and I don't – I mean you talk about a harbinger, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know what was released yesterday? Has anybody checked out size.org? You should because Russia launched 73 satellites. Okay, like I said, this is Cyorg uh, yesterday. An imaging satellite of 72 microsatellites was launched into orbit Friday from the Barakunor Kondrum in Kazakhstan, the Russian agency and research center announced. Okay, you should be worried if you're not. Right now, you should be worried right now if you're not. Listen to this. This is National Geographic, uh, July 14th, okay? Yesterday. This is the headline. Brightest star in the sky may soon be this Russian satellite. Ladies and gentlemen, you should eat. look. No, really, I'm 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 not being facetious here. Somebody has got to do something to stop us blowing everybody up without the Senate 
and Congress's approval. We're disrupting everything. 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 Well, Clinton, your final comments and goodbyes, and please don't forget to mention your websites, please. Yeah, everyone, it's a, it's a pleasure as always being here with you. Um, every uh, article you know we try to post on our Twitters, um, you can find mine at uh, Clinton Co-Watch. Um, I also have a website with ClintonCoWatch.com, and you can also listen to me at the Diligent Watchman uh, broadcast on Poppy. Um, so, you know, everyone, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, one last thing, um, I think it's going to be very important to kind of watch what happens with uh, this deportation language that's really being thrown around um, within the the Congress and the Senate right now. Um, and Democrats came out saying, get ready for some massive deportations. So I think it's going to be very important that we we watch that and, and uh, be prepared for that one. Amen. I think we got a whole lot we need to be prepared for to happen. Uh, Bri, uh, say your goodbyes, your closing thoughts, and please give out your websites. I find me on website at overtattentionshow.com. Same goes on Twitter. Closing thoughts I think you guys all sort of nailed all those things on the head. Because as we look at the world scene and as we look at the divides between East and West and all the way across the board, you see massive, massive, massive military buildup from all these major players right now. You see alignments shifting back and forth. You see agendas that maybe are only in appearance, their own agenda. Look, third rider, we know inflation we know it's running rampant at this stage as they squeeze slowly on all these other nations with all these very sanctions by turning them over throughout massive bloodshed war, all kinds of tactics that are being used. And that fourth rider, we can see those wheels spinning something fierce now. And a lot of these nations throughout the world are getting fed up with what the harlot Babylon is doing as we speak. I mean, personally, I've been fed up with it for a long time. And something's got to be done to stop this insanity that is being caused. With that said, night, God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, I want to thank everybody. I began the End Time Tribune on May the 12th, 2010, with the broadcast the Black Wave. Since that time, we, as of today, had over half a million in listeners. I strongly request that uh, you all pray for us and pray for each other. We wait. We wait for the king to come back and settle this. Make no mistakes about it. He is coming. 
the period at the end of this sentence will be the Bema seat. You can take that to the bank. I am Matthew Miller. Until next time. I bless. Godspeed. <laughs>